This is Dr. Benny Tate, and you're listening to the Leeds Club Podcast, all about leadership, personal growth, and encouraging you in your walk with God. Our goal is simple, to help you lead like you never have before in your church, business, home, or whatever platform God has given you. Our next Lead Club session begins now. Okay, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to this recording of our Leeds CD. It's simply a recording that goes out to pastors, Christian leaders, Christian businessmen, hoping and simply trying to get you to the very next level. Now, I want to share a lesson with you today that I truly believe can be helpful to you. Uh, The title of this lesson is, People Need a Coach. People Need a Coach. And the scripture is actually from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul was a coach to Timothy. And basically, 1 and 2 Timothy were just two books that were written as personal letters to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, this is what the Scripture says. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call remembrance the unfeigned or sincere faith that is in thee, which which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, or fan the flame would probably be a better translation, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I want to talk to you on this recording about people need a coach and leaders need a coach. I love to tell the story about Shug Jordan believed that he should invest in his coaches. And he was working one time with a recruiting coach, and Coach Jordan said to that recruiting coach, he said, you know, there's the player that you knock down and he stays down. And that recruiting coach said, we don't want him, do we? Coach Jordan said, no, we don't want him. And then Coach Jordan said, there's the player that you knock down, he gets back up. You knock him down, he gets back up. You knock him down, and he stays down. And the young recruiting coach said, we don't want him, do we, Coach? And Coach Jordan said, no, we don't want him. And then Coach Jordan said, there's the player that you knock down, he gets back up. You knock him down, he gets back up. You knock him down, he gets back up. You knock him down, he gets back up. And the recruiter interrupted and said, Coach, that's the player we want, isn't it? And Coach Jordan said, no. We want the guy that's doing all the knocking down. Well, I want to talk to you about coaching. Nick Saban was asked, uh, what were the most influential, productive years of his coaching career? 
And Nick Saban said, that's easy. It's the four years I spent as defensive coordinator with Bill Belichick. In that four-year period, I learned more about coaching from Bill Belichick than any other time. See, Nick Saban needed a coach. I was recently spending some time with Kirby Smart. I was over at the University of Georgia. And I said to Coach Smart, I said, uh, Kirby, what was it about Nick Saban that impacted you more than anything else? He said, well, Nick Saban taught me a couple things. He taught me, first of all, the importance of details, that the secret is in the details. The secret to success is in details. But he said the second thing he taught me was the importance of urgency. He said, Nick Saban lives every day like it's fourth and four, the importance of urgency. Now, Kirby Smart understood the need for a coach. Years ago, I read a book entitled One Day Contract by Rick Patino. I actually went and spent some time with Coach Patino. And Coach Patino said that if a young person was beginning their career, what he would encourage them to do is to find five people in their arena and study those five people, their successes, their failures. Study their life and, if possible, spend time with them. Well, you say, what a wonderful, wonderful philosophy. Where, did, where does this come from, everybody needs a coach? Well, to be honest with you, it comes from the Bible. Jesus was a coach to 12 disciples, primarily three, Peter, James, and John. Naomi was a coach to Ruth. Moses was a coach to Joshua. Elijah was a coach to Elijah. Remember, Elijah wanted a double portion of his spirit. And I am convinced, as pastors and Christian leaders, we need mentors. We need coaches in our lives. I can tell you unequivocally that I have coaches in my life. On a regular basis, I meet with Dr. Sam Chan. He's a coach in my life. Dr. Richard Lee is a coach in my life. Dr. James Merritt is a coach in my life. Dr. Duke Westover is a coach in my life. What I've learned, every leader needs coaches. Not long ago, I was spending some time with Dr. Sam Chan, and I said, Brother Sam, I pastor a large church, but to be honest with you, I'm faking it till I make it. Many times, I don't know what I'm doing, and I need somebody to come alongside of me and help me get to the next level. And I said, that's probably a strange request. And he laughed and he said, it's not a strange request. Every large church pastor in America, every large church pastor in America is requesting the same thing. Now, here's what's interesting. Paul was a coach to Timothy. You know that Paul led Timothy to Christ at Lystra. And Timothy basically started pastoring 
the church at Ephesus. And First and Second Timothy were personal letters, personal letters of coaching that were written from Paul to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to look at how Paul coached Timothy and how we can learn from the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Perhaps we can learn what we need to do as coaches, but then we can learn for the qualities to look for in a coach. The first thing I want you to see about the relationship with Paul and Timothy is this. Paul was transparent with Timothy. Paul was transparent with Timothy. I love how in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul said, before, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. He went on in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, and he said, uh, I was the chief of sinners. And what I have learned about coaching is many times people will learn more from our failures than they will our successes. I've learned that if we'll just be transparent, if we'll just be transparent with people, they can learn a lot more from our failures than our successes. Think about this. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. Jacob was a deceiver. Samson was a womanizer. Jonah ran from God. Abraham was a liar. Peter was a coward. Saul was a persecutor, and Noah was a drunk. That should make us feel good about ourselves because those were people that God used. I don't think this is probably good grammar, but you know why God uses people that have messed up? <laughs> it's because there ain't no other kind. And the best of men are men at best. And there's so much bad in the best of us, and there's so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. And what I so admired about this relationship with Paul and Timothy is Paul was just transparent. And I have learned when I'm coaching individuals, if I can just be transparent, I can be a help to them. Paul was transparent, but let me tell you something else about Paul. Paul loved Timothy. Paul loved Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 and 2, it says this, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. The word there, beloved, it's the word agape. It's the strongest word for love in the Greek language. If you want to coach somebody, you be transparent with them. But if you want to coach somebody, you genuinely love that person. In 2015, the Georgia Bulldogs were playing the Missouri Tigers. Georgia had a coach by the name of Mark Rick at that time. He had a young field goal kicker by the name of Marshall Morgan. And Marshall was getting ready to kick a field goal with the game on the line. And he had just missed a field goal a short time before this. Coach Rick understood the pressure that this young student was under with the game on the line, and he put his hands on his shoulder pads, and he looked at that young player, and he said to Marshall, Marshall, whether you hit it or miss it, I love you. Whether you hit it or miss it, 
I love you. If we're going to be a great coach to leaders, we got to be transparent. But if we're going to be a great coach, we've got to love people unconditionally. And we've got to love the people that we're coaching. There's a third thing I want you to see about this relationship. Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 and 3, the scripture says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul prayed for Timothy. A few days ago, I was calling a, one of our missionaries. Missionary by the name of Mike Gary. He's been very successful, very successful missionary down on the Mexico border. And I called Mike just to wish Mike a happy birthday. I wanted to encourage him. In the course of the conversation, Mike said something to me. He said, Brother Benny, I want you to know something. I pray for you every day. I prayed for you today because I pray for you every day. And he'll never know how that encouraged me. Well, I don't know of much greater you can do for somebody than pray for them every day. And Paul prayed for Timothy. The fourth thing I want you to notice about the relationship between Paul and Timothy is Paul believed in Timothy. Paul believed in Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, he said, Timothy, you have sincere, genuine faith. I believe in you. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, raised by a stepfather who was very abusive physically, mentally, emotionally, and I'm very dysfunctional. Later, as I was 17 years of age, my mother remarried. She remarried a wonderful man. His name was Don Mason. And Don Mason said, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm working as a custodian, making $3.35 an hour. And I'm preaching on street corners, preaching in a rescue mission. I'm preaching in jails. He said, you need to go to Bible college. I said, you don't understand. I struggled in high school. I probably couldn't pass Bible college. He said, yes, you can. And for every degree you'll complete, I'll pay for. And that man put his money where his mouth was at. He paid for an associate's, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. Paid for those degrees. What was he saying? I believe in you. I believe in you. What does a coach do? A coach believes in his players. Paul believed in Timothy. But you notice the fifth thing about Paul, Paul confronted Timothy. He confronted Timothy. Now, the church at Ephesus, no doubt, was a large church, and Timothy had some fear and trepidation. But Paul confronted Timothy. And he said in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, he said, Timothy, God's not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. He confronted this young minister. Proverbs 27 and 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
I want you to know something. If you're going to coach successful, sometimes that's going to involve confrontation. John Wooden's a coach that I greatly admire, the great coach at UCLA. And on one occasion, the top player in the nation, Bill Walton, came to Coach Wooden. And he said to Coach Wooden, he said, Coach Wooden, I've grown my hair out long. And Coach Wooden had a dress code and a, you could only wear your hair so long. And Bill Walton had certainly exceeded that. And he said, it's my right. And he said, you don't have the right, Coach Wooden to make me cut my hair. He said, Bill, I greatly admire you. And he said, you're exactly right. I don't have the right to make you cut your hair, but I do have the right to determine who's going to be on my team. And Bill, we're going to miss you. Well, the story goes, Bill got a haircut that day, and it never was a problem. And once a week, called Coach Wooden, the rest of Coach Wooden's life, just to tell him, I love you, coach. I am convinced, folks, that a coach confronts. A good leader confronts. And Paul confronted Timothy. And sometimes if you're going to coach, it's going to involve confrontation. The sixth thing I want you to notice about Paul and Timothy's relationship is Paul encouraged Timothy. Paul encouraged Timothy. Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6 and 11, he literally referred to Timothy as a man of God. A man of God. Now that's amazing to me. How this young preacher must have felt. How this young preacher must have felt when the great apostle Paul referred to him as a man of God. What was Paul doing? He was encouraging Timothy because death and life is in the power of the tongue. How did Paul coach Timothy? First of all, he was transparent. Second of all, he loved Timothy. Third of all, Paul prayed for Timothy. He believed in Timothy. He confronted Timothy, but he encouraged Timothy. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You say, but I, I can't coach everybody. I, I can't coach everybody. Well, here's what I'd say to you. You can't do it for everyone. But this is the conclusion I've reached in my life. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You know, when I was in school, I would say to the teacher, uh, can, can I go do this? And the teacher would say, well, Benny, if I let you, I've got to let everybody. And I'm thinking, no, you don't. All you got to do is let me. Everybody's not asking. And what I'd say to you is do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. If you Develop the mindset, well, because I can't do it for everyone, I'm not going to do it for anyone, you'll not do anything. So I challenge you today to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Now, here's a question I ask. Who should I coach? Who should I coach? Well, let me say three things about that. Number one, 
Pray that God will bring you the right candidates. Pray that God will bring you the right candidates. And for some of you, that's going to involve praying that God will bring you to the right coach. Pray that God will bring you the right candidates. Number two, look for potential. Look for potential. And number three, look for those who are teachable. Look for those who are teachable. You say, well, now, how do I know if a person's teachable? If he or she will not listen, they are not teachable. Who should I coach? Pray that God will bring you the right candidates. Number two, look for potential. Not where people are right now, but where they can be, where they can, what they can become. And number three, look for those who are teachable. Now, what are the benefits of coaching? What are the benefits? And I can only tell you, I'm speaking not off the top of my head. I'm speaking from the bottom of my heart. These have been the benefits of coaching in my personal life. Number one is significance. Significance. There's a difference between success and significance. I am convinced that success is about you. Significance is about others. What I have learned in ministry is you go through primarily three stages. The first stage is the receive stage. I remember being in that stage. When I was in the receive stage, I was going to every conference. I was reading every book. I was spending time with every leader I possibly could. I was a sponge. I was just a young leader. I was trying to soak up everything that I could. The second stage of life for a leader is the raise stage. The raise stage. And what I'm talking about by the raise stage, I went through the stage where I was raising dollars. I was raising up money. I was raising money to build buildings. I was raising money for construction. I was raising a family. So you go through the receive stage, but you will move to the raise stage where you're constantly trying to raise up facilities. And then the third stage is the stage that I'm in right now. It's the release stage. It's release where you want to pour back into others. You want to pour back into leaders because you understand that's where significance is. You say, should I speak to 10 people? It depends who the 10 people are. If you have an opportunity to spend time with 10 leaders, Man, what a great opportunity. It's the release stage. Number two, it builds strong relationships. I found that you can make fans in a crowd, but you build friends one-on-one. It builds strong relationships. Number three, it creates accountability. It's a major deterrent to evil. Because the benefits of coaching, whether you realize it or not, is it creates accountability in your life. There's a fourth thing. It strengthens you. It strengthens you. I remember on one occasion, a young lady walked up to me and she said, I know you don't do counseling. I said, I'm not a good counselor. If I was suicidal, I wouldn't see myself. My philosophy about counseling is admit it, quit it, and forget it. I'm not a good counselor. 
She said, I'm not asking you to counsel me and my husband, but will you mentor us? Will you coach us? And I've been doing that. And when I coach someone, I always say the same thing. You bring the agenda. You bring the agenda and I'll coach you. And I have several people now that I spend an hour with and I simply coach them and help them to get to the next level because people need a coach. And every time I spend time coaching young people, as they leave, I feel so good. And what rose in my mind, they thought it was about helping them, but in turn, it's helped me. Maybe that's what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, when he said, after all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. You are our pride and joy. What is our pride and joy? It's the impact and influence that we've made in others' lives. You know, I've often thought about Matthew chapter 25, where the Bible says the talents were given out. One man gave, was given five, and he multiplied, made it ten. One man was given two, and he multiplied, made it four. And one man was given one, and he buried the talent. And I've often thought about that person who doesn't pour his life into others. That person who doesn't share his life with other people. When he dies, it all ends. It's like the talent buried. It ends. See, I don't believe my responsibility is to fill somebody else's cup. That's not my responsibility. But I do believe my responsibility is to empty mine. And I want to encourage you today I want to encourage you today to look for somebody to coach. And perhaps today you're listening and you need a coach. And I want you to look. Look for somebody to become your coach. You said, any, uh, any words of advice if I'm looking for a coach? Here's what I'd say to you. <laughs> They're going to be very busy and you're going to have to seek them out. You're going to have to initiate and seek them out because they're going to be very busy. Because if they're not very busy, why would you want them to coach you anyway? So you'll have to be the initiator and you'll have to seek them out. Thank you so much. I want to uh, remind you of something before I pray for you. I want to remind you that in March at Rock Springs Church, we're having Defy the Odds Conference. This is for you, your church staff. This is for your laity. It's literally a conference that we're hosting right here at Rock Springs Church that's going to be second to none. It will be inspirational. It will be informal in the fact that we're going to give you information that's going to help you get to the next level. So be sure and put this on your calendar. Save, save the date, March 2019. It's going to be a conference that I believe has the potential to change your life and the life of your ministry.
Let us pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for every pastor, every Christian leader under the sound of my voice. I pray that you encourage them, encourage their family. I pray that you help us all to realize that we do need coaches in our lives. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Leeds Club session. We hope you feel encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information or resources about leadership, be sure and check out our website at rockspringsonline.com slash leadership. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, personal growth, and encouragement as you walk with God. We want to help you get to the next level.